it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to the first ever bind off episode, y'all. So in this very special episode, we are going to take just a real hot minute of your time to do what we are calling a bind off, which in knitting is a very fancy word for finishing the fucking project. Get that shit (laughs) off your needles, man. This shit and is I got out of Netflix purgatory this weekend because I finished House of Cards. <laughs> Girl got that shit bound the fuck off. So now we're going to weave in our ends, finish up our thoughts and feelings, and then we are done with this season of House of Cards. So where are you at, Kelsey, having finished what started off for you as an extremely difficult season. So it did the thing that House of Cards always does where around like episode nine shit hits a fan and then from nine to 13 is pretty much a breeze. So it's just that like two to eight territory that's a real hassle. Nine through 13 were decent. It wasn't like a mind-blowing stellar season of House of Cards. I think I've liked other seasons more, but it was fine. Well, it's like the the whole reason I've decided to chart that escalation, the season 9 through 12 slash 13 escalation in like plot development is because my theory is that they just try to throw as much at you in as few episodes as possible after using the slog as a weapon so that you forget whether or not it's actually good television because they just like confuse you it's like misdirection right which is rude (laughs) well it's also like it's not it's like busy work right like it's not laziness but it's like busy work television production where they're like let's just throw a bunch of things that don't really matter and are kind of useless at you just to fill time in your in our 13 episode cycle And then we're just going to put all the plot at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they think of it as building tension. But they're not very good at it. No. I mean, the reason (laughs) I say that the slog is necessary is because I don't think those last couple of episodes would be impactful if they played those storylines out over all 13 episodes. But because you spend the whole season being like, where are we going? Where is this going to? What's happening? And then they're like, boom, insta-climax. It's effective. For them. Doesn't mean it's effective television. It just means it's effective for them. I agree that you can't just have all those plot devices come out at once. I mean, over over the course of like a long season. However, there's no reason why they can't have an eight episode order. (laughs) There's literally zero reason. Because if you take everything from episodes two through eight and condense them to two or three episodes, we've got ourselves a wonderful season. So here's one reason that I can throw at you. (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> Not enough time for power hair? Well, we needed some time to let the power hair grow out. <laughs> sure. As well as Claire's character. You see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> but really what I was thinking is if we hadn't had, like, eight unnecessary episodes of not much going on, when would we have found time to get to know Tammy One? Let's talk about Tammy One. Let's talk about Tammy One. <laughs> so I think we both had the same reaction, which is that Tammy One literally lives in the same universe as she does in Parks and Rec. So this is like the blonde chick who decides to become Claire's ally. I don't even know what her name is, like Jane or some shit. I think, yeah. But anyway, it's the same character, or same actress who plays It's the same Tammy character, One. too. It is the same <laughs> character. It was a Freudian slip, because it's true. 
is the same actress who plays Tammy Wine, Ron's first wife in Parks and Rec. Making that crossover, guys. Oh, yeah. And in Parks and Rec, she works for the IRS. <laughs> and I'm not convinced that she doesn't necessarily work for the IRS. Right. She does. She's a private contractor for the government that does something obscure in trade, international trade. But she's also like a spy, kind of. Or right. knows spies or something. Her character is the most, like, muddy and unclear of any character that's ever existed on any television show ever. And <laughs> similar to how she arrives in Parks and Rec, she just sort of, like, drops into the show universe and, like, has this immediate effect on everybody where she's, like, mysterious and intimidating and has, like, all of this worldly wisdom and no one can figure out where it came from. They're like, how does she have security access who who is she where did she come from and they talk about it for a while but they don't actually land on anything <laughs> but like no one's concerned about it and then like and this is happening in the white house bunker during like a, a lockdown of the entire capital in what was probably one of the dumbest subplots i maybe have ever seen on television <laughs> that i mean it lost its ranking because of every single episode ever of downward dog but it's up there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in this bunker and she's like working her spy connections and literally no one knows who she is or why she got to be in the bunker. Meanwhile, Doug and Leanne, who are like chief of staff, are not allowed in the bunker and are stuck upstairs in the White House. Right. Where they belong with the plebes. <laughs> Except Tammy One gets to be in the bunker because of all of her international secrets. Right. So Tammy One does not have power hair. Let that be known. She does not have power hair. It's true. She has normal lady hair. Right. Normal lady hair. No offense um, to any of you blondes with curly hair. It's just normal lady hair. Right. Um. But what I did pick up on, which isn't new, but I did text you about, was, was that, like, is Kathy Durant Secretary of State meant to be a symbol for Hillary or is she meant to be a symbol for Hillary? Because the <laughs> hairstyle, as we know, is a very intentional plot device that Bo Wilmington and <laughs> Piers have chosen to use. So that has led me to believe that I'm correct. I think you're right. I've had that thought in seasons past about her pantsuits as well. Yeah. Because, like, if you look at how they dress other women in the House of Cards universe, like, whether they be senators or just White House staff or cabinet members, there are some pantsuits, like uh, the chief of staff for President Walker. Um, what was her name? She had power hair, even though her hair was long. Yeah. Um, anyway... She had very different pantsuits than what Kathy Durant wears. Otherwise, women are usually in, like, tops with peplums and, like, pencil skirts and, like, super feminine but extremely sleek and polished outfits. But Hillary was known for her power pantsuits that are very, like, clean and crisp, but otherwise, like, unoffensive. And that's super duper what wardrobe was doing with Kathy Durant. I mean, do you think it's a positive thing or a negative thing or just a thing? Um, I, I mean, I feel like that's hard for me to answer because uh, I come into it with an unconscious bias. No kidding. It's our podcast. <laughs> um, well, I'm just saying. Buy not your own to... damn sweater, Kiersey. 
you're trying to remark on what Bo Wilmington wanted to do in the world. I don't know that I can do that accurately. I suspect that it's a neutral but intentional thing. Fair enough. Like, I suspect it's meant to set Kathy Duran up to have similar status symbols and, like, respectability signals that Hillary Clinton has. But, you know, she still meets a downfall. But um, Wow. (laughs) I'm very punny tonight. (laughs) You are punny. So if we're we're talking about puns, let's talk about Claire and her puppy. Yeah, Claire kills a puppy, guys. She kills a puppy. Um, or I like to call it is Claire begging the life out of Tom. (laughs) And what might be the second most disturbing thing I've seen on television. Denver (laughs) Dog still holds number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was the time. I couldn't decide which was worse, like Claire poisoning him and then having sex with him until he died or the fact that as he's laying there dying he starts hallucinating and he just grabs her and starts saying you're so beautiful over and over again it was uncomfortable it was really uncomfortable i didn't like it the only like i'm still really struggling with it because it super didn't work for me and it like doesn't feel i mean tv death or deaths in general are always an easy out for a writer right like tom is a character who is a barrier for Frank and Claire. So at least in the short term, until they can figure out how to bring him back, they just kill him. They did it with uh, with with the Colin as well. Oh, Colin! You remember the Colin? So, I remember Colin. <laughs> I have a, a TV archetype that started from House of Cards, <laughs> referred to as the Colin, and he he. I just didn't know his name for three seasons, and thought his name was Colin because he was so fucking generic. But y'all know who we're talking about. I He might have been Lucas, maybe. Yeah. He was like the journalist who was trying to uncover Zoe's death. And when he died, it got handed to Tom because Tom was suddenly like, oh, Lucas was right all along. But his name was really Colin. Anyway. <laughs> um, so it's the same thing there where it's like the person who holds the most intimate knowledge, they just kill. And then it obscures facts and like holds the writers less accountable for really like winding down that part of the narrative. Right. So I struggle with it in that sense. However, the justification I have thought of for it is that this whole series, you're watching Claire rise to become Frank's equal. And, you know, from the beginning of the series, you see Frank increasingly killing like more types of things. So he starts by killing a puppy and then he, you know, moves up the ranks of murder. And so my thought was like, in order for Claire to become Frank's equal, she had to become Frank. She had to become, like, as horrible of a person as he is. So she had to kill a puppy. Is he is he the first corpse now? Probably. I think he would want to know that. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> what am I? What am I doing? Why am I hitting myself? All right. Sorry. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Oh, boy. So in Claire's journey to becoming Frank, she killed a puppy, but she did something else, too, this season that we've all been waiting for that, in my mind, also justified the slog because it was building up tension to this crucial moment. This was my favorite moment in this whole season, which was when Claire broke the fourth wall 
speaking wise, I think she visually did it at the end of last season, but speaking wise. They've been teasing her breaking the fourth wall for a while. So there was that moment at the end of last season where she looks into the camera and then they open this season with her looking into the camera and speaking in the second person. But then the camera zooms out and you realize she's giving an address. So she's not speaking to us, the viewer. She's still very much within the walls, as it were. But then she does it for real. And she does it in the most power, Claire Power, Haraway possible, where she's like, I knew you were there. I just didn't give a shit about you. (laughs) And I still don't. I'm just letting you know that you mean nothing to me. (laughs) She was like, I don't trust you. I'm ambivalent about attention as it is. You know, like, fuck you. (laughs) It was really great. I was like a little on the fence about it. It was what I wanted it to be. It's something that I've waited for for so long. But there's this moment immediately after she finished talking, it kind of felt like she laid out a little too much armchair psychology a little too plainly. I mean, I wish they'd just cut it off with like, you think I didn't know you were there all the time? I did. I just didn't care. Yeah. And just walking away. Like, that's better. It is better. It was good, though. Like, I, as I've sat with it, I've decided that I actually really appreciate it. And I think, like, it confirms a lot of what we know about her, even though she had to put it out there plainly. You know what I didn't need from the season, though? <laughs> what? The Elysian Nights or Hills or whatever the fuck that was. Oh, yeah. Like their druid festival. <laughs> <laughs> Things I literally do not need from House of Cards. There's I a did. long list, but that's at the top. I, d- I was like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, the show jumped the shark a while ago, but I didn't realize we had to jump effigies, too. Like, I would rather go back to their weird, like, his weird college reunion than have to deal with that again. Well, because that at least had some amount of interest, because, like, you know, he he had a guy he was in love with, and that's kind of interesting. Well, right. He has one empathetic characteristic, which is that he fell in love once. He had a guy who was in love with him in this season, and that went nowhere, but it was was weird. It was uncomfortable. This isn't in our talking points, but, like... The fuck was that? He has this, like, personal trainer who's been stalking him since forever and, like, knows something about some historical family member from the Civil War, but, like, keeps making shit up about him. So then he becomes his personal trainer, because, sure. And then he, like, kind of falls in love with him, and then Frank yells at him on a bike ride, and and that, that's it. It was, like, wasting our time storytelling. <laughs> um, so... <sighs> So what's up next season? What's happening in season six? Well, like we were talking about before we started recording, they mentioned something about having a body on ice, which I think can be used against someone. So I think there will continue to be some dramatic things that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. I, I would imagine that Frank burning a hole in the flag was a symbolic sort of move to signal that, like, that's his feelings towards... Our new leadership. Yeah. Well, as we move into the next season, they show her inspecting it. She's the only person somehow who notices that. And she knows exactly what it means. So I think that's just going to build throughout. And obviously, like his cover is saying that he's working in the private sector now, and we'll see what that means. Yeah. So it ends with Frank's waiting for Claire to pardon him. And him saying that if she doesn't do it, he'll kill her. 
And then, of course, she doesn't do it. And then she whips around and breaks the fourth wall again and just says, my turn. So are we just walking towards a battle royale? Is sure it like Super Smash Brothers Melee? I mean, I kind edition? of... I had a thought that it was possible that she could kill Frank at the end of this season. This season? I thought she was going to orchestrate some sort of killing of Frank in order to get the presidency, like, early on. I have to say, I was, this is a side note, I was looking at, uh, Lauren and I were having this whole conversation about presidential line of succession, and as I was, like, reading through how, like, term limits work for presidents who then come in in the middle of an elected term... I was thinking, like, they're playing real fast and loose with the Constitution in this show. Sure they are. <laughs> I know that's not the most important thing going on, but, like, it just has to be said. Do you think they need the designated survivor? <laughs> Would that be your favorite crossover episode? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was season five of House of Cards. Any final thoughts or feelings there, Kels? I'm still going to hate the show next season, too. I'm interested to see... We're definitely not in the in the same hell cycle that we were in in season three. Like season no. three was an endless hell loop. It was basically like driving through Connecticut. Right. But we're not in that place right now. So right. my wonderment is if we will continue building on that momentum in season six or if we're going to go back, like we're going to backslide to the place where we have to get through nine episodes of slog. My thinking at this point is that it all depends on whether or not season six becomes the final season. Like, Netflix got to give them an end date. We need an end date. So after season one, they signed a five-year contract with Kevin Spacey. So in theory, season six should be the end of it, unless they signed additional contracts that I don't know about. I mean, I feel I feel like they're angling towards one more season. I really hope it's only one more. Given the way the stories are heading and, like, the velocity that they have all i'll say on the matter netflix since it's not really bo's job anymore i just want you to really take this to heart in three weeks game of thrones is coming back for their penultimate half season and all i'm asking netflix is that you do your very best this summer to learn from their mistakes learn from their mistakes You have a model coming out for you this summer. It's still early enough in the production cycle. Take this time to do some self-reflection, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, House of Cards. All right. So if you have thoughts and feelings about the season of House of Cards and would like to tell us why our thoughts and feelings are incorrect or correct, you can tweet them to us at HateWatchWithUs or send us an email in long form about it at hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. You can also find additional content on our Tumblr, hatewatchwithus.tumblr.com. And regular episodes will continue coming out on Tuesdays, Tuesday evenings. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.